Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Zachary Gio. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome back to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything in between. And yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you've got, smoke it if you've got it. Ugh, today we've got something really awesome to talk about. Ash, how you doing today, buddy? Oh, I am doing great. We are actually recording on Halloween Day, so woke up for the spooky holiday, and uh, I'm feeling great, man. How about you? I'm doing okay, you know, just, you know, kind of tired and everything else. My car is in the shop, which kind of sucks. I was actually on the way to my girlfriend's house on Friday when my radiator decided to overheat. So uh, the car's fine. It just probably needs a good flush and, you know, some extra fluid and stuff. But it's in the shop, you know, but that, that kind of bummed me out. I was looking forward to spending Halloween with her and her family. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. And um, she was just as wonderful about it as ever. Yeah, Danielle's awesome, dude. I, I can't, I, I can't, you know, express enough how thankful I am. But, you know, it's fine. It's Halloween. It's spoopy season. And we are talking about one of the spoopiest games probably ever to be created. Uh, good Lord. Yeah. Shout out to Danielle, by the way. You are a real G. Yeah, she is a real G. She's like the best in the world. And I love her to death. But yeah, today we are going to be talking about Outlast, the survival horror game created by Red Barrels, you know, and honestly, this is probably one of the scariest games I've ever played in my life. You know, I, you know, exploring a insane asylum late at night, you, uh, dude, (laughs) when I first saw the original trailer for this game, I was like, that is something I'm going to have to make myself play. But you know what? I'm glad I did it. And... We uh, there's so much crap to talk about, and a lot of it is just horrifying to think about. So, uh, what what have your what are your thoughts on this game so far? Oh man, it is super horrifying. I actually just beat it last night, finally, um, because the game is actually for me was legitimately difficult to pick up and get through sometimes because of how uh, difficult and terrifying it was. It does get a little bit easier once you sort of figure out the patterns but you know each level is completely different and it's unexpected when you're going to come across someone that's going to be patrolling so you know there's just that constant dread going on and i love it i love the whole uh the fact that you don't fight and they let you know that at the very first thing you read when you start a game is, is you are not a fighter. You know, you're an investigative journalist. You have what three options, run, hide, or die. <laughs> yep. You, you literally cannot even defend yourself in this game. Your only objective is to run. You are yeah. armed solely with a camcorder and that's about it. 
And the really cool thing about this game is while you can see everything from Miles' perspective, basically you are Miles Upshur. You're an investigative reporter whose ambition is about to earn him an intimate tour of hell on earth. Always willing to risk digging into the stories no other journalist would dare investigate, you will seek out the dark secret at the heart of Mount Massive Asylum. That is the prologue to Outlast. And they are not kidding. You are literally armed only with a camcorder. And your job is to look at everything, record everything, and survive. You're hunting for batteries to keep your camera alive so that you can use night vision in super dark spaces, which in this game is the primary setting. It is dark pretty much everywhere. It's a it's an insane asylum late at night that's been old and abandoned, but recently taken up by a new corporation. A secret corporation called the Murkoff Corporation. I believe it's the Murkoff Corporation. Murkoff, yeah. And there are a lot of documents in Lord of Fine that gives you some insight into Murkoff, gives you some insight into the asylum and what was going on. And I mean, that's basically what you're doing. Um, it kind of plays like a found footage game because um, the game is in first person and you can raise your camera up and I'd recommend mostly keeping your camera on for most of the game because it won't consume battery just to have it up. No, it won't. But as long as you're aiming at something, Miles can take notes about what's going on. Uh, and then the camera, of course, is also where the night vision mechanic comes in and that's what you're going to need your batteries for. <laughs> Yeah, you know what's crazy is that even though this is a horror game, the scariest thing about Outlast isn't even its mountain asylum setting or even things stalking you throughout the bloodied building. It's the fact that the game features a hide button. <laughs> it's it's the fact that your primary ability in survival is to hide like you can hide in cabinets well i guess they wouldn't be like cabinets they're more like lockers lockers but you can hide under beds under behind doors and this game has no shortage of characters that are willing to just absolutely stalk you and rip you apart and you know whether it's for a religious divine purpose or, you know, they just want to tear you to shreds. One one good example of those characters is Chris Walker. Chris Walker! <laughs> Chris Walker is this giant uh, military-esque just madman that is basically trapped in Mount Massive. Who, he ha is like, he's big, I wouldn't call him obese, he's just a tank. He's you just know? a big motherfucker. He, he's yeah. ex-military, they mentioned in one of the documents, yep. um, or in, in one of Miles' notes, and he is big. He's He has ripped his own nose and lips off. <laughs> Due to anxiety. Due to anxiety. Like, yeah. one of his aliases that always makes me laugh is, it's just big fucking guy. <laughs> Either that or the soldier, you know, strong fat. That's Those are multiple things that he's known as. But he was in the United States military. Uh, he was a former police officer. And then he became a Murkoff security guard. And then he went insane. I, he did. He went absolutely nuts and kind of just went through it. And, I mean, I guess we can talk spoilers because, you know, this game is, when did it, 2013, 2012? When did it come out? Uh, Something like that. Let me look it up real quick. I should have had my notes ready. Oh, dude. No, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. But he gets murdered by the wall rider, like, towards the end of the game while he's chasing you. And the wall rider is actually the the uh, main antagonist of the game. The one that ends up actually ripping Miles apart at the end of the game. Miles was surprisingly sympathetic whenever he records that moment in the game, if you read the notes afterward. Because, yeah. I mean, Chris Walker is kind of a secondary antagonist for you in the game. I mean, he's the, the one that you'll face most often. And unlike other enemies, he who will kill you on normal mode within like 
four hits or so, he'll kill you in two. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he'll he'll rip you apart, and he will drag you out from those little alcoves. So you have to run just fast enough to escape his reach and get into those little small, uh, those little small corridors. <laughs> little pig, <laughs> little pig, <laughs> little piggy. Yeah, he is terrifying, and he'll go search for you. He'll talk. What's really cool is that all of the the uh, NPCs in this game work that way. The AI is actually pretty intelligent. I I, I reckon that the second game probably expands on that a little bit, but um, they can see you hiding, uh, and they will actually investigate hiding places. Thankfully, if you're in one locker and there's like a couple next to you, it seems to be that the game always has them check the locker next to you. Oh, yeah. But it does add to that level of fear that you're like, oh, shit, like they could check the locker I'm in. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, Ash, I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We're just kind of diving into like the scariest parts of the game. But Outlast, Outlast itself, um, it's, it tells the story of a reporter who gets a tip. Miles Upshur is the reporter. It's 2013, by the way. 2013 awesome yeah that's when it came out on pc good lord eight years this game has been out you know but outlast tells the story of a reporter who gets a tip from an anonymous informant that something fishy is going on at mount massive asylum he goes there to investigate but when he arrives and sneaks in he realizes that all hell has already broken loose and we're talking about chris walker the first time you actually interact with him in the game is not too far uh, into the game. It's like maybe five or ten minutes in. Yeah. You're exploring the second uh, the second floor of the asylum, and there's like this big open room. with a, It's like the lobby, I guess. It's the second floor, the balcony that surrounds the lobby. And you're going through this like library-esque type room with a bunch of trash and garbage on the floor when you come across a security guard or a cop or something that is impaled on a giant it's either a pipe or a spear i don't know what he's impaled on but he's just it's dark and even with the night vision on you can't see quite well <laughs> enough you know what you can see though like the outline of his eyes and that is that makes it even more terrifying the the yeah. atmosphere in this game is incredible for a stealth horror game i mean red barrels really did a phenomenal job granted this this game definitely proves to me that there are people at red barrels that are absolutely nuts and live for you know this kind of uh live for this kind of experience i mean the core gameplay experience is about no combat you know and that's a quote directly from red barrel's co-founder felipe morin um and you know it's about having the player suffer the experience is about having the player completely defenseless only with the ability to hide suffering as he's watching all of this happen while trying to piece together the story yeah and, you know, at this point, once you get in there and you realize everything's going out, it's up to the player to really decide what they want to do. But ultimately, the objective is to get the hell out. Yeah, pretty early on, that's the objective. Like, when you start out the game, he's going to go in and investigate and figure out what's going down. But very quickly, shit goes down the drain, and he's like, no, I need to get the fuck out of here. And you spend the rest of the game trying to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, it. honestly, the further into the game I got the less I wanted to leave. You know, I wanted to see just how crazy it got, just how, you know, just how insane and terrifying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just how terrifying it got. And it did, dude, Outlast 2, I know we're not talking about Outlast 2, but Outlast 2 is a game that I will never play again. That game was 
horrific. And honestly, with Outlast 1, they really don't hold back with anything. Like, the language, the violence. There's even a set of twins. The naked twins! The naked twins! And they're actually the most sane people in that asylum. They're just... Well, I, I guess they're not sane. I guess they're more just calm and collected in their insanity. Out of all of the variants, I think they're they're among one the only ones that will actually open doors um, instead of like pounding them down. If I remember right, Traeger doesn't. I know that he he just opens doors. Yeah, yeah. But the twins themselves both appear to be like extremely calm and intelligent compared to all the other inmates, and they have some semblance of humanity left in them. I mean, for instance, you know they can open and close doors rather than you know mindlessly just bashing them down like pretty much all the other variants. But neither of them wear any clothing whatsoever. <laughs> Their dogs are just hanging there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And but oh, dude, it's disgusting. You literally see everything. But the thing about the twins is that they seem to like ambushing targets in like longer corridors, and they use the fact that they're twins to flank Miles. They don't make really a lot of noise. They're pretty much silent killers, and and they don't they don't run or talk. They just kind of walk slowly and follow you. I like that. Yeah, they do walk slowly towards you. They don't run. I like that one part where you're in the dark in the showers of the male of, of the prison block, and uh, there, there's that moment where you you walk out the window and they're all like sarcastic, like, "Oh, he just uh, he just vanished." <laughs> and they're oh, like having dude. a conversation, and it's it's hilarious. They're just gone. They're just absolutely gone. And <laughs> with the one of the scariest things about this game isn't you know running into these. Uh, in, into these inmates it's losing them because you don't know when they're gonna pop up again next and it's just and you never know if an inmate is gonna be violent and try to hunt you or if it's just gonna be a regular inmate that's just gonna talk to you or just hang out uh there's that one in the prison block that just follows you and he's yeah. completely wrapped up you know and i'm like does he want to kill me and, and and like but he just can't because his his hands are tied up cuz he just keeps following you it's so creepy but then i was kind of like maybe he just wants to be my friend <laughs> nope he does not want he does not want to be your friend no nah, i think he, nah. he i think he has some dialogue and at first i couldn't tell if that was him or some of the 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 uh the inmates in the cells around you but i think it's him and he's just following you talking to you and i'm like dude <laughs> oh my god can we talk about richard traeger for a second yes like, i want terrifying to terrifying dr rich rick rich dr rick traeger the secular maniac <laughs> the school douchebag <laughs> You know, I actually kind of liked him at first, you know, he's like talking to you and he's like, he, he, he has this kind of wit and charm about him and he's just talking, but then he starts like picking up different instruments and like test them and you're like, oh shit, he's going to experiment on me and he straight up cuts off your fucking fingers, man. In the rest of the game, your hands are all bloodied up and, and, and fingerless or, you know, you're missing a couple of them. Yes, I know, I know, and it's horrific. Like they show everything, and that I'm telling you, Red Barrels does not hold back. But the okay, so the whole part of the game where he's chasing you, you're in like this little uh, infirmary esque setting in the asylum, and it's hard to get away from him. By the way, he's not a doctor <laughs> either. Well, no, no, that's his. That's. What, what, is, what is it from Toy Story? I do not believe that man has a medical license. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He's just an insane variant who experiments on patients in order to gain more knowledge about biology. And, you know, who can blame him? You know, biology's cool, but not that way. You know, he's he's insane. He runs he runs around with, like, this pair of shears, the same shears that he uses to cut off your fingers. It's just... 
it's horrific. But dude, can we talk about the way he dies? Yes. Like that joke <laughs> is too funny. He, he while chasing you, he literally gets crushed by an elevator. It's so <laughs> Yeah, I think like uh Final Destination, um that one elevator scene in one of the movies. Yeah. I don't remember which one. But uh yeah, it's basically just that and I, I love I love the little joke that uh that Miles makes if you if you record it. <laughs> it's like how oh. to make a, a Traeger smoothie press or something squeeze. <laughs> How to make a Traeger smoothie. I don't remember that. That's pretty funny. I, it is, I yeah. <laughs> That's what he says. It's really hilarious. Yeah, that whole section is actually really intimidating for me because um, you're kind of stuck in this in this area with Traeger, who is a bit more, you know, sane and, and, and calm and, 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 you know, deviant than any of the other variants you faced up to that point. You know, like I said, like the twins, he opens doors, he walks, um, you know, and, and he can figure shit out. He's not like dumb and but uh you're you're kind of trapped in this area with him and you have to go and i think you have to get the key for the elevator and then you can open the elevator and leave yeah out loud yeah absolutely so you have to kind of finesse your way and a lot of this game is just finessing your way especially a lot of the sequences with chris walker involve him sort of charging you and you, you sort of juggernaut him you give him the runaround and kind of more open rooms and that way you can get around him because more often than not he's right in front of where you need to get to <laughs> and he comes out of nowhere every time oh dude he's terrifying and there's like one area of the game i'm pretty sure most people that are choosing to listen to this episode of this podcast have either seen a playthrough or have played this game themselves and so and since this game is like eight years old we don't really have to do cut and dry start to finish we could just talk about it you know yeah but the whole religious aspect of this game really bothers me you know like father martin Come on. Father Martin is horrifying. He's just uh, Martin. I forget. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's like Martin Ockenbaud or something. something and one like of that. his quotes from the game that absolutely like I will never forget this. It's terrifying. And it gave me chills that ran down my spine. It was like, I see merciful God. You have sent me an apostle. Guard your life, son. You have a calling. He's talking to Miles. Yeah. He's talking to Miles. He's basically... An ally to Miles in the game, and a major character. Mostly an ally. I mean, you're never quite sure what his motives are, but he's the closest thing you have to an ally. And he he does seem to be aiding you and 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 letting you go, but he wants you to do something first and see some things. And so he kind of sets up this whole elaborate uh, thing for you. And and even the twins are under his direction, and a lot of the other inmates. Oh yeah. And so, like, they're they're laying things. I like towards the end of the game, you know, you sort of see them setting things up for you and opening doors and whatnot. And, of course, he's p painting blood on the walls and having you follow the blood to get to where, you know, to find him. And uh, he does give you quite a bit of a runaround. I remember there was one part he's like, meet me outside. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to get out of here? Nope, it's just the courtyard. And, he, by the way, he's not even there. You just go right back in and you meet him in the female ward. I'm like, come on, dude. Yep. <laughs> It, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but at the same time, you know that you know that following him is probably your best bet at getting out. Yeah. And so you just got to go with it. And he, he honestly puts you in a lot of really crappy positions, but Miles is able to finesse and get out, you know. And honestly, I, dude, the character deaths in this game, they're horrifying, but they're also kind of hilarious. Yeah, dude straight up crucifies himself and then yep. has one of the, the inmates light him on fire. And he, you just watch it. And he even tells you, like, record this. 
you know. And so I did. I recorded it with my broken ass camera, and uh, <laughs> and you know, like it it was it was very interesting. Uh, and I guess you know he starts this whole religion up worshiping the Wall Rider, and it seems that all of the inmates sort of follow him. I mean, he kind of is the leader of this place. I mean, I imagine that there are inmates around that are just doing their own thing, and but most of all of them seem to kind of be under his direction. Even Traeger, who is clearly secular and doesn't believe in it, seems to be operating underneath him. Yeah, but like he's basically like the head honcho for all of these crazies in the asylum. Yeah, and. Honestly, watching him crucify himself and then be immolated by the variants on his command, like, they straight up light him on fire. It's just, uh, and you watch everything happen, and they don't hold back. Like, you'll hear me say that a lot. Like, this game does not hold back. They're telling you this is a survival horror experience, and that is exactly what they mean. It definitely plays on psychological horror quite a bit. There are jump scares, but more so than that, it's the disturbing setting that you're in. And it, it's the thought that at any point, something could be stalking you or jump scare you. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. They do not hold back. And it's dark. And I like that one part in the game where you actually lose your camera. And it actually tells you, like, you need your camera to, to navigate the darkness. doesn't let you progress. And so for a little while, uh, you're actually caught without your camera. You have to go get it back. Uh, and that's actually one of the cooler parts of the game because you feel a little naked. You feel a little defenseless. Like, you do have to walk through some dark corridors and you're like, man, I'd you know what's going to come out at me and as soon as you pick it up of course there are inmates there <laughs> of course there are why wouldn't there on. be so you walk into this dark room not knowing and then you turn it on and they're there and it's a chase after that there are a lot of chases and I'll, one cool thing about that game is that or sorry about that moment in the game is that uh after that point, after you pick up the camera, it's broken for the rest of the game. So I found myself holding up the camera a lot less unless I needed the night vision or there was something I knew I felt like was worth recording. Yeah, that crack on the screen's annoying. The crack on the screen and the the, the fuzz that comes every once in a while, you get red lines on the screen, uh, definitely obscures your view quite a bit. And so you kind of have to, uh, you know, I had to put the camera down several times in order to be able to see properly. <laughs> it, it, it adds to the you know, aspect, or what is it, the aesthetic of the game? <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the cough. That's the, uh, the weed cough. The <laughs> I've got, I've got a, <coughs> I've got a Delta 8 pin, so. <laughs> also, I, I do recommend playing this game high. It actually will definitely add to the creepy atmosphere. Play at night with all the lights off alone. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a no from me, dog. That's going to be a huge no for me. Okay, so what was your favorite chapter in the game? Like, you've got the administration block, the prison block, the sewer, the male ward, male ward, the male ward, the courtyard, the female ward. You go back to the administration block, and then you're in the underground lab where you run into William Hope, a.k.a. Billy, a.k.a. the Wall Rider. Um, difficult to say. What sticks out to me quite a bit is the sewers. It's kind of a short chapter but it um it's just you versus chris walker in this contained environment you have a a couple objectives uh set up and usually this game will have you do that it'll be like go here and do the, the do these things and then come back to turn this valve uh there's a lot of that but what's crazy is usually when you go to these spots whatever variant is stalking you at the time usually can hear you when come after you but i just the, the sewer segment sticks out to me because uh chris walker just is 
everywhere. Everywhere you turn, and you're kind of in this this I want to say uh, uh, what's the word uh, claustrophobic environment. Oh yeah, it feels like there's almost no way out, and and your field of view is kind of obscured as well. So absolutely, and it's hard because not only are you trying to escape from him, but you're also trying to like puzzle your way out. You've got to flush the water in the sewer by turning two valves, and then you got to use the ladder to access the lower junction. And the whole time you're basically just trying to find a way out while running from Chris. And it's terrifying. It You're actually right. Like, the sewer is probably one of my favorite parts of the game. But, dude, honestly, the underground lab is... That was going to be the next one I was going to say. Yes, dude, the underground lab. The underground lab is my favorite part of the game. Literally right after Father Martin, you know crucifies himself in the chapel of the administration block you go down the elevator the one that martin made uh to access the underground laboratory yeah but here's the thing they don't tell you that you think you're gonna leave you're riding this elevator thinking you're going to freedom it stops on the first floor of the administration block where you can open the doors and get the fuck out and then it keeps going and you're like oh fuck yep i'm not getting out of here and then you go to the underground lab and uh, everything comes together, but go go ahead and I'll yeah get get back into it. <laughs> no, you're good. It's it's crazy because the once you enter the lab, the first thing you see is the dead guards at the front desk, and it's basically where Martin had shown him the security footage of the Wall Rider throwing and smashing the guards to their deaths. And so not only do you see the dead guards, you see how they died and what killed them, and you get another taste of this terrifying thing that you're gonna have to eventually, uh, you know go up against or at least run from because you can't fight out of all of the stalkers in the game the wall rider is the most difficult because uh he's fast he can kill you in just a couple hits and uh he can go through walls doors do slow him down but not nearly as much as the other variants (laughs) he's also he's also sound triggered and that or that part of the game the underground lab demonstrates that really well uh once you reach uh once you go through a bunch of hallways you eventually reach a door that triggers the alarm. And once that alarm goes off, he's after you. And it chases you until you come to the set of double doors. And then once you get to those double doors, you are grabbed by Chris Walker. And you're just immediately thrown to the side. But right before Walker can kill you, he's grabbed by the wall rider from behind, thrown into the walls repeatedly, and just ripped apart. Fuck yeah! I was so happy to see that. It was just just the greatest thing. There's that moment of terror because you're pinned between the two of them, and then the wall rider just beats Chris Walker the fuck up. And then you realize, oh, this is the most powerful thing in the game. Uh, It can also appear anywhere. I mean, I, I say before that, like, you know, the other variants tend to seem to come out of nowhere, but off screen, they're probably still walking wherever they need to go, short of a couple, you know, jump scare segments. But the wall rider literally can and does teleport around. It, it appears uh, exactly, you know, where it's going to hinder you and you're running and you have even less defense against it. I don't even think there's anywhere to hide in the underground lab, is there? No, you're constantly moving the entire time. And honestly, yeah. watching the wall rider kill Chris Walker, you're kind of sympathetic. Um, and that's why once once it starts happening, you know, Miles automatically pulls out the camcorder to record the event. And the event that uh, basically the achievement that you get for recording it is the death of the soldier, which is basically the soldier finally meets his end facing the well, not really facing the wall rider. The Billy just kind of ribs him apart. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no competition. What were you going to say? 
basically, um, once you're going further in into the underground laboratory, you enter a small room with more dead guards, and there's a wall of glass that's dividing you and Rudolph Vernick. Now, Rudolph Vernick is, you know, he he's basically the mastermind he's the mastermind behind the whole thing is one of his aliases is asset 14866 he's a senile nazi the crypt keeper yada yada the doctor and all that stuff and he does seem to regret what they did and it it's definitely out of his control now i mean he's the one that tasks you with ending it all and killing billy one thing i thought was interesting was that he mentioned uh working with alan turing and so their technology—it was their minds that basically put this technology together. Alan Turing, of course, being the real life figure that uh, that uh, that operated in World War II. He was played by Benedict Cumberbatch in that one movie. Yeah, absolutely. But that whole thing with Rudolph Wernick, him basically explaining how he regrets what happens. He basically looks at you, tells you, "Hey." Billy Hope has to die because he's the current host of the Wall Rider, and killing him would quote end the Wall Rider. And so Miles is like, "Yeah, I'll do it." You know, even though I haven't been able to fight or do anything this entire game, I'm just gonna carry out this dude's wishes and end Billy's life. You wanna know the mistake you're making here, buddy? You think you're gonna find the truth. You think you'll uncover something, and everything will just oof, fall into place. Some grand revelation that'll make sense of all these unspeakable horrors. That'll explain what could drive men to such creative extremes of inhumanity. I hate to be the one to break the bad news. But even when you think you understand what's happening here, you're only gonna be halfway down the rabbit hole. It's always been the case that whoever's holding the money gets to say what the truth is. But then, then what happens when all the money's gone? When everything is based on debt, on credit? Come on, buddy, you can guess this one. It's faith. Money is a matter of faith. All we were ever trying to do is sell you the dream. But you can't make a deal if you've got nothing to bargain with. You gotta be inside the dream to buy it. You gotta have faith. And that's what I'm here for. To make you... The game progresses, you move deeper into the lab, and you find Billy in, like, this glass sphere that's keeping him alive by different pieces of equipment. Um, you cut the life support fluid reservoir, and it disables the power to the lab. Uh, the wall rider appears again, chasing you throughout, and once you disable the power, the wall rider grabs you and throws... Uh, you're basically jumping from oh god this is like so intense while you're running you're basically jumping from one catwalk to another and then he catches you while you're doing this and starts throwing you around and 
basically after that you get up and start moving towards the main chamber. But I was kind of like, thanks for the shortcut, dude. I mean, I, I made a, I made a quick descent. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Even though there's no way, honestly, there's no way Miles should have lived through half the stuff that happened to him in this game. I felt like he should have bled out once uh, Traeger like started cut off his fingers. Because, like, there was really no way for Miles to, you know, cauterize or stop the bleeding. Yeah, dude never even stopped to, like, bandage his hands or anything. I mean, he just kept going. <laughs> still parkouring, still uh, running quite a bit. I mean, while he isn't a fighter at all, he is pretty athletic. And I, and I do appreciate that. I mean, it gives you some kind of advantage. But what's also kind of adds to the atmosphere is, you know, his constant, like, breathing. Whenever he's more, like, scared and he's in an environment, you know, he'll sort of gasp. Or when he's been running for a while, you can hear him get out of breath. And it's yep. actually really cool just witnessing all of that from first person. And, and it really immerses you in the experience. Definitely recommend playing this game uh, with headphones on because you'll, you'll get that full experience. Plus, it helps with determining where the the variants are because of the 3d audio <laughs> oh absolutely like this is one of the more immersive horror games that has ever been released like the graphics and the sound combined with headphones and a really nice screen give an experience that's unlike any other it depends a lot on that too like getting through this game depends on you listening for audio cues of you know to, to listen for footsteps and, and know when to exit your hiding place because you know you can't see very well in the dark and you can't see very well when you're hiding and you, and uh you know a lot a lot of the game is really just listening and and waiting and um you know being somewhat strategic but you never quite know what's going to happen when you get out of your hiding spot or when you go down a dark corridor <laughs> you know no you do not at any moment you may need to turn around and just run a different direction close a door barricade it or or, or hide underneath something it is <laughs> constant uh anxiety inducing moments like this i like that one part in i think the mail ward where you've got the three guys coming after you and and you've got a keep on moving and barricading doors and and finding your way around until you ditch them yeah 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 yeah. that part that part was cool and also the courtyard area i mean i mentioned this earlier but going outside you know you think that you're kind of like one you it, it's like the closest it's, it's the the biggest sniff of freedom that you get in, in the game up to that point and you're <laughs> you feel like you're you know you're just there's a way for you to get out, but there's not. You're stuck in the courtyard. In fact, uh, it's another moment where Chris Walker comes out, and, and I believe this happens in uh, the series as well at a later point in, while you're going around in the water, but in these two moments, it's completely dark, and you just sort of hear his chains. And you know, and he, what's crazy is I never knew exactly where he was at. I couldn't determine. I just knew that he could be, I could run into him. He could be behind me. I don't know. I just hear his fucking chains rattling. Yeah. And during this part of the game, that's actually the first time you encounter Traeger. You know, these variants are chasing you through, you know, several rooms and you can hear them like bashing on the door yelling, wants meat, wants meat. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. Well, that, that's the part that was like super creepy to me they were like wants meat wants meat it's oh yeah horrifying. and that's and right you... that's where trigger saves you by sending you the dumbbell but then he you know he's like <laughs> who's down you. there you're not one of them are you quick get in the dumbwaiter if you want to live and you're like okay cool and you get in the dumbwaiter and you get down there he's like you made the right choice there buddy and then just beats you to the point where you just can't walk straps you to the wheelchair Takes you around the asylum and mockingly showing him the exit, saying, "Run free!" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Do you do you, do you want some fresh air?" 
<laughs> of course, that's the entrance to the courtyard that you later come across. So it really wasn't actually to the asylum, but it it it, it is a nice like teasing moment. Like, oh shit. Um, I think up to that point too, whenever you do go outside, um, it's the first time in the game where I really extensively went through batteries because there is almost no light to go through. It's also the first time you actually see the wall rider face to face and you're like, what the fuck is that? A ghost? What's going on? <laughs> like, when, when did this game get supernatural? Oh, it's terrifying. Dude. It really is terrifying. What does Miles say? He's like, oh my God, uh, dear God, help me. And, you know, like I've seen, I think I've seen the wall rider. <laughs> dear God, help me. Yeah, because up to that point, you'd heard about it. You saw that little footage, but you never quite knew what was going on. At that point, you see it. Now, the Wall Rider isn't a ghost. In the underground lab, those pieces finally come together, and you find out it's nanotechnology, which has been in development for much longer, um, you know, for decades at that point, since World War II. And that's what Traeger and Alan Turing were working on, was this nanotechnology. And that's what the Wall Rider is. And then there's also the morphogenic engine, which is like a, an algorithm that does something I think I don't remember. Like, I, it, I, definitely, I, I, it definitely does something. It does something. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there's like hypnosis going on. It, it it it's a cool and intricate story, and I think to really get all of it, you have to, you know, look in, in nooks and crannies and find uh, those documents hiding hiding around and and record things to hear, you know, Miles' thoughts on things as well. Yeah, and to be honest listening to miles record and you know run through everything you really get that sense of dread that he's feeling you know watching all of this stuff unfold realizing that all of this is part of just some greater purpose to create the wall rider but it gets out of hand and all of them end up dead (laughs) (laughs) it's really a lot to take in you know you know what the first part of the game i got stuck in actually where i i couldn't pick up the game for a while because it was just too difficult and a little too terrifying. <laughs> Where? Was the basement in the administration block. The basement. Yes. With dude. the generator. Because it's the first time in the game where you're thrown into this kind of situation, but you're thrown into the dark and you've got to turn on the generator, but first you've got to turn on two like sub generators or something and, and then a pump or something else. And so you've got to collect you got you gotta go and do all three of those things. But as soon as you turn on one of those things, a variant comes after you because he hears you turning on the things. And so you're running through the dark not ever really sure where this variant is except when he's chasing you trying to accomplish things and it, it is just it is just that it's very difficult <laughs> it's easy it's kind of easy to hide from him though you know he's not he he's kind of quick but you're a lot quicker than he is and you can easily just hide under one of the beds that's in like what is it like two or three different rooms that you run into for the pumps yeah but my problem was that once i got out of like once i got out of hiding I was never sure where he was and he would always spot me. And I think in my, the final attempt that I finally got it and I started to actually figure out the mechanics of the game. In many ways, it's, it's that first kind of tutorial segment where you get introduced to these mechanics. Um, and, and it's where you sort of figure out exactly what you have to do. Well, the trick is, is you you got to break the line of sight, close a door and then hide and then kind of, you know, wait for his footsteps to walk away. And then you can go about and finish what you're doing. Absolutely. It's one of the scariest parts of the game, to be honest, being down in that super dark basement trying to figure everything out. And it took that's the part that took me the longest. It wasn't something it, it wasn't something that was just easily right in front of you. Because of all the different things you had to do, the hiding, you know, the running, the turning the pumps to reactivate the generator, it's difficult. And I can understand why that's one of the things that kind of made you have to, you know, take a break from the game. 
because it's not easy at all. Yeah, and then after that, uh, I sort of kind of uh, sort of just barreled through the game. It's not a barreled, red barreled through it. You might say. Wow, cute. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's a game that it's not very long. You can get through it relatively quickly. Uh, and there is quite a bit of replay value in that, you know, there are additional uh, notes and documents to find in the game uh, that you might have missed. Uh, batteries are also around every corner, so that's why it's important to check every nook and cranny, because you never know how many batteries you're going to need later. Like I said, you, at one point you get thrown outside in complete darkness, and, you know, you better have collected some batteries, because otherwise you're fucked. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And honestly, the hard, the higher the difficulty you choose, the, the more rare batteries are. And that that's what adds to the replayability because yes you could do a higher difficulty but it's so it's it's one of those games where you know i've beaten metroid dread a couple of times and the hard mode only really counts because the enemies do more damage and they have a little bit more health but once you get to the end of the game and you have your abilities it's really not that hard at all this game the difficulty is raised because resources are far more scarce like it is hard to find batteries in hard mode and so those dark you have to be very very spare you have to use your batteries very sparingly in harder difficulties of the game and so when you're outside or when you're in the basement or when you're nearing the end of the game towards the administration block you have to be very conservative with your batteries and it's very hard because most of the game is dark especially when you're running from you know chris or traeger you have to use batteries in order to see but it's really hard to find them i think I think in most of the chapters, there's in on the normal difficulty, there's like six or seven batteries per chapter that you can pick up. And on the hard difficulty, there's like maybe two. And they're hidden extremely well. Extremely yeah. well. And isn't there a nightmare difficulty where you can only hold on to one battery at a time or something? I think so, but I will never play it. <laughs> yeah, that the, the batteries adds a little bit of strategy to it also knowing when to reload the battery because yeah you can wait for it to run out all the way and be the most conservative with your resources but if you're about to be in the you know if you're in an area where there's a variant that could be stalking you uh you're gonna want to make sure that you have plenty of light and you don't have to stop and and reload so there's a little bit of that element of strategy in there of like okay my battery's most of the way drained and at any point i could be running so i need to go ahead and reload it now <laughs> yeah I, it's really hard to determine when you're actually supposed to reload because i mean you would think that you would want to be conservative but they, like you just said you're there are times where you're gonna have to reload it but on that nightmare difficulty you have to like use the battery and then find a new one before you can reload it. Yeah, and that's got to be difficult. It's, it's seemingly impossible. Seemingly impossible. And I bet I wonder if the variants are any more aggressive in the higher difficulties or any more intelligent. They're probably faster. I haven't played it, and I will not play it. Because you it can just... outrun all of them in the game. I think you know they're, they'll, they won't catch up to you. But if they do, you're dead. Well, they do, you're dead. Yeah, in the higher difficulties, they definitely do a lot more damage. So you have to be very, very careful as to not... I think in Nightmare, everybody's like a one-hit kill or something. Which, I mean, makes sense. You can... And, and this game is definitely playable in that sense. I could see avoiding taking complete damage completely, but, you know, I was never perfect. But the trick is is, is kind of, you know, finessing your way and, and using open rooms and areas where you can kind of circle around um, and also trapping them. Uh, closing doors, the the variants that are a little more uh, violent and, and dumb, and, and uh, what's the word? Uh, 
just completely insane <laughs> oh dude they're all completely insane dude everybody it's an insane asylum they're all bat crap crazy but the ones that are worse you know are the ones have to break down the doors so doors can really slow down those guys because they have to give it like several pushes before the, the door breaks down and then you can't use that door anymore but it's 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 effective at giving yourself a little bit more time to get into that hiding spot or or do whatever you need to do in that room um and if you're careful enough you don't even have to get into a hiding spot if you're in a dark area you can kind of hide in a corner um and usually an enemy will pass by you but you're never quite sure <laughs> if they're gonna spot you or not and you're like please don't spot me please don't spot me I, I do like the areas in the game where you can barricade yourself in that gives you a little bit of security, but usually those areas, you're kind of trapped in there. There's nowhere else to go. So eventually you have to unbarricade yourself or or leave the area. And <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very brief respite from the chaos. <laughs> very. there. It, it's very rare to get, you know, time to just, you know, breathe. You have to consistently, you have to keep moving. Because if not, the game has like a timer where if you sit in one area for too long, the variant that's predominant for the area, whether it's Traeger or, you know, Chris Walker, they will eventually come to where you're at and you have to get moving. It's it's unforgiving. Yeah, it's unforgiving. It is very, even on the normal difficulty, it is unforgiving. Like, they do not care. For the most part, they have patrol routes, and you'll notice that except when they find you, they'll mostly stick to those routes. But, like, if you make too much noise or whatever, and that definitely plays a factor is, you know, walking versus running versus uh, crouching, you know, in order to avoid making noise. Because uh, if they do hear you, they'll come to your location and investigate. Yes, they will. Funny enough, they don't react to the flashlight. And I spent most of the game, or at least half of it, thinking that they did. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would turn off my flashlight when they were nearby. But it come to find out that they actually, you can have the flashlight, like, right next to them and they don't give a fuck. They won't notice. They won't. I mean... <clears throat> You'd think, they, you'd think they would, but they definitely don't. You'd think they would, so I, I'm happy that I played most of the game thinking that. I hope that's fixed in Outlast 2, because that, that kind of seems like... I, it I, is. It okay. is. Outlast 2 is so much harder and so much more terrifying, dude. That game, Ash, that game, you know, they say that these games are not for the faint of heart, but Outlast 2 is in its own realm. Like, that game is... I I love horror games, but I will never play it again. It is truly, truly mortifying. It's a very demonic experience. It's not something I ever want to experience again because the whole thing is centered around a cult in, like, this mountainous uh, abandoned town that basically has the same variants and people that were in Mount Massive except it's an entire town of people that all believe in one faith. And I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point, but, like, that is not a game I will ever play again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to want to check it out. If, if, if this game, I mean, this game is disturbing enough as it is. And if they amp the ante on that, uh, that would be crazy. Because uh, there is content warning straight up corpse fucking in this game. It happens. <laughs> There's necrophilia. Yeah, like, no, I, I'll tell you this, Ash. And for those of you listening to this episode, I'm sure if you've played both of these games, you will agree with me. Whistleblower, the extension of the Outlast story, where you're Wayland Park. That game is more scary than is scarier than Outlast. I haven't played Whistleblower yet. I was gonna I was gonna ask if you wanted to talk about that because I I bought the DLC. I just haven't haven't touched it yet. 
Uh, yeah, we could touch on it a little bit. Uh, it's been a long time since I've looked at the story, so I don't remember much about it. But here, I can pull it up real quick, and we can touch on it a little bit. Cause... It's kind of a prequel slash interquel right now. It takes place beforehand, and you're playing the guy that ends up giving the tip to Miles, I believe, right? Yeah, you're playing as Waylon Park. He's the one that basically outs the Murkoff Corporation. And because of this, he gets sent to Mount Massive. Uh, asylum and so as Wayland Park you start the game as a patient and they're like running tests on you and you break out because something happens and it creates a commotion in the asylum and you're able to escape and find your way out there and Miles actually dies at the end of Outlast but with Wayland you actually survive so well Miles becomes the wall rider is what happens <laughs> well, he, he, he's he's dead like who he is is dead he becomes the new wall rider because the wall rider has to have a host in order to survive what a twist ending by the way that was actually really cool and and, and the the way that it ends is you know you you exit out you've accomplished your tax of task of, of cutting off Billy's life support but the wall rider like enters you and 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 miles is just barely walking around he's he's not it doesn't look like he's got too much longer but you're moving down the corridor and then suddenly you're confronted by Traeger and like a SWAT team and I guess Traeger is a fucking bastard and and shot you in the back because he couldn't have you be a witness or something but very quickly you know after you get gunned down he's like he says uh you know, whatever the German word is, I think it's like, oh my God, something. Oh, got God, God in Himmel. God in Himmel, yeah. And he's like, that sounds like God in heaven, actually. But anyway, he's like, you're the new host. And then the screen cuts to black, and you just hear the screams of the SWAT team and everything. And you're like, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, whistleblower, basically, you're Wayland Park. You are the whistleblower. You're the one that outs the Murkoff Corporation by sending that email. Um, but, you know, as you do that, the I forget the name of the guy that sends you uh, to Mount Massive Asylum. He's basically like, look what we found here. Uh, and basically, he has the guards beat you up. And because of some of the stuff you say, he's like, oh, it seems we need to have you admitted. And oh, so Waylon no. gets and Waylon gets admitted into Mount Massive Asylum. But the one of the main antagonists, I'm not going to say too much about it because I really want you to explore it and enjoy it. But one of the main, uh, actually the main antagonist to me is Eddie Gluskin. Eddie Gluskin is also known as the Groom. Basically, he is a variant who ruthlessly pursues you, Waylon Park, with the intention of making him his bride. And when I say this, I, when I, dude, it's, it's, yeah, it's there's there's a lot. Basically, I won't say much, but he basically takes steps to make Waylon his wife. And, and I will say that it involves surgery. So you, yeah, you, you just need to, I, I wouldn't say you need to play it, but if you want to see that, you can. <laughs> okay. That is, yeah, that sounds terrifying. And, 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 and I, I definitely want to check it out because I know that the story also ends up uh, kind of crossing into Miles's story as well. Uh, yes. Part of the game goes, you know, midway through the point to where Miles has entered the asylum. So, but yeah, I, I I've, uh, I want to check out Whistleblower because that sounds insane. And if it's if it's even scarier than the original game, then <laughs> God help me. <laughs> there are most of the game is much more intense. Uh, Waylon is smaller. He's a little bit slower. 
uh, too. So and they they you know expand upon that in the game. You'll learn about that. And so you're it's not as easy to get away from the variants. And Eddie Gluskin is, ooh boy. Basically, he makes his first appearance at the start of the game in the underground lab. You know, being forced against his will to enter one of the spheres that Billy was in in order to undergo painstaking restraint and experiments. Uh, and while that's happening, Wayland Park is actually there working on one of the computers for debugging to allow the experiment to happen. And before they finally restrain Eddie, he runs up to the glass begging for help. And he's like, he tells Wayland that he has the power to stop all of it before being forced again to go back. In. And so, from the beginning of the game, you have a connection to Eddie Gluskin. And so, when he sees you, he knows that you tried to, you know, save him, and so he wants to make you his bride. Oh. It's 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 a lot. So, it's, it's coming lot. from a good place. It's just fucked up. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. But no. <laughs> that actually oh, does sound very Outlast, though, to have, like, something that's stalking you for the intent of making you their bride. Because, uh, you know, Traeger's trying to experiment on you. Chris Walker just wants to fuck you up. The twins, I don't know. <laughs> they basically, their their shtick is that they are into the act of, you know, silent killing. They basically w- want to slowly stalk and hunt down their prey. And yeah. once they catch them, they, like, silently and slowly kill them with, you know, machete-like blades that they both carry. Why don't they just dick slap you i mean wouldn't that be wouldn't that be hilarious if they just whipped their dick out at you like wow wow i would i would rather get hit with the machete to be honest <laughs> i don't i don't want to get hit by that even though you know they've been you know naked the whole game and so there's room to breathe so it probably wouldn't be as traumatizing it would still be horrible but i mean i have the backstory for eddie if you want it i can yeah. I, it's not really stuff that you learn in game and so, basically, all that's really known is that in his early life, he was sexually abused by his father and his uncle, and they took photos oh. of it. Oh. And the event was a matter of medical and public record, and Gluskin wasn't even old enough to know how wrong it was, just that it hurt. You know, his father and uncle were eventually incarcerated, and as a coping me- mechanism for his traumatically violent upbringing, Gluskin would claim that he was raised in a leave-it-to-beaver home. Prior to being admitted to Mount Massive, Eddie was a misogynist and a serial killer who mutilated women. And there, oh. are, implica- yeah, there are implications that his insanity stems from being sexually abused as a child. And, yeah, so once you play through Outlast, you'll once you run into him, you'll see what I'm talking about. And it's very... Uh, the only word I can really think of, Ash, is grotesque. It's, it's incredibly grotesque. And it's... You know, now that I think about it, the first time I played these games, Outlast, I played for the first time in 2016. Um, I had an Xbox One, and it was out on the Xbox, and I had just gotten paid for my job, and so I was like, yeah, why not? I'd love to curl up in a ball and cry for an entire <laughs> night. And so I, I played all, I played through the entire game in one sitting. The entire game. I started playing at like 9 p.m., and I think I finished around 3, 4 a.m., roughly. Um, it didn't take me long to get through it in the grand scheme of things, but that's still a huge chunk of time. Whistleblower, I played it as soon as it came out. Um, and, uh, Outlast 2, I actually went to my friend Jaden's house and we stayed up all night playing through the entire game and we were both mentally scarred at the end. Oh man. (laughs) Dude, it was, it was horrifying. Like there was one point where Jaden actually like 
got so scared that he like gave me a hug. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we need to take a break. And so we paused it, went to the kitchen and made some frozen burritos. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. That was me and my friend Steven when we played uh, PT for the first time. Uh, it was funny. Like we were literally like we started like holding each other like no homo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if you haven't played Outlast and you love like survival horror games, this is a really really good game to get into. Um, but be warned, it is very very graphic and there's a lot of disturbing images and scenes in the game so go in knowing that you have to you know harden your heart because it's going to be graphic if you if you're just an adamant horror game player it's a it's a it's a good experience I, well i wouldn't say it's a good experience it's a traumatizing experience but it's a horror game that red barrels truly brings the best and worst out of when it comes to horror games i would say that red barrels is the top company for it because there is no other horror game that even comes close to touching, you know, the absolute sheer terror that you experience playing these games. And what a better day to record this on than Halloween. Spoopy Halloween. Day. Spoopy day. It's really cool. You know, we were originally going to record this on like Thursday or Friday of last week. But, you know, I'm kind of glad that it worked out that we got to record it today. Because it's, it's, you know, our Halloween episode. And I don't think I even got to participate on the Halloween episode last year when we did it. Uh, no, that was just me and Megan on Until Dawn. But, yeah, I mean, it was cool. I actually uh, was looking forward to playing Outlast. I think since last year, we had, last Halloween, we had already decided this is what we were going to do this year. And uh, I, I've been excited about it ever since just because I'd heard about it. But I only picked it up most recently. I mean, as for my final thoughts... Again, this is a very, not only terrifying, but disturbing game. Obviously not for everyone if you're faint of heart. or It's not for the faint of heart, I'll say that much. No, it's not. But if, if, if uh, you know, you're, you're sensitive to uh, that sort, these sorts of things, like psychological horror, disturbing sexual content, uh, graphic violence, then maybe this game might be a little much. But if you are a horror game fan, I think this is a must-play. Oh, absolutely. I will say this, though. You have been warned. If you want to play this game, if you like psychological horror, then this is a good game to play. But tread lightly. Because this game... I I love horror games, and this game shook me to my core. Like, it gave me... (laughs) I'm 24 years old. It gave me nightmares, man. It really did. It gave me nightmares, and it made me bother to be alone for a little while just because of how intense and dark the game is. But other than that, it's great. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I agree with all of that. Uh, it is a very, very uh, intense game. Definitely a must-play for any horror game fans. I intensely enjoyed it. I can't wait to play the DLC and the sequel as well. Or maybe I can wait, and I'm also a little bit <laughs> terrified too. But, uh, yeah, I... It, Needless to say, I mostly played this during the day or, or when when I, you know, had someone around. But uh, <laughs> if you want the full experience, though, you know, like I said, the whole like alone at night, I mean, you will get it. You were in for a, a, a ride of your life without last. Oh, you're um, in for a very rude awakening. Like this game is merciless and does not it, it doesn't hold your hand. You are on your own in one of the most terrifying settings that a video game can produce. And the fact that you can't fight back, the fact that you have to run and hide is, is what makes this game more terrifying and, and plays on that psychological aspect. Um, even late in the game, you know, when you go into the underground lab and, like, you've seen a lot of graphic shit up to that point, but 
I think the wall rider most brutally kills its victims. I mean, some of them are that are like top halves are completely eviscerated. They they look like they exploded. <laughs> yep, it is a merciless it is a merciless experience to have, and you better prepare your heart because it's not. <sighs> yeah, I'm I'm getting chills just thinking about it, man. Honestly, so that's what makes this kind of like a perfect a perfect game to talk about on Halloween. Um, a lot of people love spoopy season and you know, what better way to, you know, give our spoopy opinions than to, you know, talk about outlast. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think what I'll do for the bonus round, cause I want to just, I think I'm just going to stream something tonight. So I want to stream the outlast whistleblower and maybe I'll live stream it. So stay tuned for that tonight. Uh, on, uh, at Halloween, I'll, I'll, uh, probably, try to do something later ash i'm not working tomorrow because i'm going to be going to get my car situation figured out so i would love to join you for that if you are interested dude for sure man so but guys thank you so much for tuning in once again happy halloween we love having you here ash do you have any final thoughts before we close this bad boy out uh no but everybody have a very safe halloween you know if you're choosing to go out and and uh be around people because you know like us you've been vaccinated or uh you've been carefully social distancing then yeah just be safe check your halloween weed and make sure you don't have any candy in it (laughs) (laughs) oh that was wonderful oh but yeah guys stay safe Today, Halloween is a fun holiday, but a lot of people do use it to uh, do a lot of really horrible things. And, you know, that's where a lot of these games, you know, get their ideas from is from sick people that like to do horrible things. So please just be careful. Stay safe. We love all of you guys and we appreciate you so much for tuning in and listening to us. But and while we do love the aspect of horror, we all we horror. Sorry, not horror. We, <laughs> while we do love the aspect of horror, we also love the people that listen, and we want you guys to be safe and happy and healthy. And have fun. Have fun tonight. Um, for those of uh, those of our listeners in near Mount Massive in Colorado, shout out. <laughs> yeah, you guys stay away from that place, please, if it ever existed. I don't know if that's a real place, but... Yeah, Mount Massive is a place the asylum isn't. Okay. But Mount, Mount Massive is an actual mountain. If you've ever been to Colorado, uh, it is it is the I think it's like the second biggest mountain in the Rocky Mountains. Okay. Or something well, like that. But it is definitely massive. I've seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> I've seen it with my own eyes. Let me look at you with my own eyes. So uh, before anything else, before we go, uh, make sure that you are checking us out on anywhere you can get your podcast. You know, we're on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, Ash, where else can they find us? So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're on social media. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hit us up in the DMs. If you'd like to collaborate, then uh, definitely reach out to us. If you're a gamer or podcaster or just somebody who uh, wants to have a good time on Collateral Gaming or Collateral Cinema, our next episode is going to be part two of Metroid Dread, where we're going to actually get into spoiler territory and finish talking about the game. Before that, I think I might be doing a game lunch episode on the new Guardians of the Galaxy game as well because I'm playing it and I'm having a blast and I want to talk about it. Uh, And then after that, later next month, we will be talking about Superman The New Adventures or more colloquially known as Superman 64. Yes, the infamous bad game, Superman 64. Uh, That game is (laughs) just garbage. 
Uh, but yeah, guys, we appreciate you tuning in and listening to us. Um, happy Halloween, and until next time, I'm Zachary Gio. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. This is Collateral Gaming, and we are out. Have a safe and happy Halloween, everybody. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.